High time we headed to Australia. Good time to head to Australia as well. Lots happening in Australian sport. Some good, some bad, some sad. Let's start off with the sad. Greg Inglis, Peter Lusted, has decided to call it quits. Yikes and welcome. Yeah, thanks. A huge day in Australian sport and a big week as well. Um, yeah, geez, uh, it's surprising, isn't it? I mean, uh, he comes back and there's, you know, it's reports of him not being totally fit and a few people making a few fat jokes, this sort of thing. But I don't think anyone sort of saw this coming. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's really sad for the game. I mean, he's been such a, uh, such a fantastic player to watch. Um, you know, some for a lot of people to look up to as well. So, uh, but, you know, we've heard from, from Greg today about his decision and, uh, uh, and look, it was interesting in that he said, look, it isn't that you know injuries have totally cut short his career or it's mental illness or anything. He just sort of thinks it's time. And I think it's probably a combination of those factors. But uh, if we probably look at the two strongest, it's that he said, look, I, I don't feel I can have that fear factor anymore, be that, have that presence that he clearly has had in the game for a long time as such a strike weapon, uh, you know, with so many attributes, power and speed and skill. Uh, determination, you know, he's been sort of the complete package for a long time. So, uh, look, I guess we can understand that, you know, if you people always talk about how sad it is to watch a legend running around when they don't have that impact and when they're a just you know, really just a, a poor representation of their former selves. It's it's probably good in a lot of ways that Greg's been able to make that call as opposed to you know being tapped on the shoulder and told um, because it's it's sad when you do see that in a sportsman. So look, um, that's sort of you know really the big thing behind it as well. But also I think you know clearly a factor here is is his livelihood, or not so much his livelihood, but the, the manner of which he can live the rest of his life. Um, we've heard you know in recent weeks just how bad he's got arthritis in the left shoulder. Uh, apparently he can't even can barely lift it above horizontal, and also it's not the sort of thing that can be, uh, you know, solved by surgery. So it's not just you know you putting off the op and then you you're back to normal after that. So these are the sort of things that affect his life, you know, for the next you know however many decades, uh, and something that you know will, will be impacting him well after we're you know talking about him with his rugby league game. So you can understand that, and, and while it's a sad day for the game uh, to lose such a, an amazing player. Uh, you know, this guy's been talked as a, as a potential future immortal. Um, I think that it's it's probably in the long term good for the game and good for Inglis because uh, it's great that he, his, uh, his reputation in the game won't be tarnished uh, by, by what could be if he, if he kept on playing just for, uh, for the sake of it. Yeah, and there's a bloke who's been playing. So when did he make his first grade debut? He was about 13, wasn't he? He's been playing yeah, for a bloody long time. He's been around for a long time. But, uh, look, it's a sort of, uh, we're probably still a bit raw with it now, Darth, but I think we'll probably start looking more into, you know, the player he has been. And uh, when you look through, uh, you know, the records, obviously there's all the stats about the, you know, I think he's played more than 70 combined games for Australia and Queensland, which is phenomenal, uh, and three grand final wins. Um, but I think when you look, when I was looking back through his record today, one thing that really stuck out for me was, just uh, the amount of um, you know victories and awards, but also the versatility. He won uh, a Dally M for five eighths of the year early in his storm years. He later won one as fullback of the year. I think he won an international centre year uh, player of the year as well. Uh, players, uh, we talk about these legends of the game who you know Slater and Smith have probably recreated their positions and uh, changed the game that way. But Inglis, I mean, you talk about Lockyer, who's probably played fullback and five eighth and was phenomenal at both. And you can even see in great players now, some like Helen Ponga, that the difficulty to play 
two key positions like that. But Inglis to be receive awards as the best in the game for three positions uh, just shows what a freak he's been. And uh, and look, really, he's uh, you know he'll go down as as a great, and, and particularly for Queensland as well. That that period of dominance, he and Thurston were probably the key players in the big moments for a decade there that got them over the line. So. Uh, a phenomenal career, and and I really think that that versatility is something that we, we probably just haven't seen for a long time, uh, and, and really sets him apart in uh, in the list of greats. Aussie correspondent Peter Luster did join in the program. I'll give you a couple of names, and you tell me why I have Hanscom and Hazelwood. Not in our World Cup squad. Mm. Hanscom gets edged out with, with Smith and Warner coming back, which was always going to happen. Uh, and it's unlucky because he has been performing well and, and Sean Marsh somehow survives again, which uh, uh, just <laughs> baffle many. Uh, Mitch Marsh isn't in the squad, but I'm sure if they, uh, they they probably considered him, even if he didn't take a runner or a wicket. But uh, anyways, the big one is Josh Hazel. That's a, a real surprise. Uh, of course, he is returning from injury and, uh, and you know from where we stand, we don't know exactly how he's going. He said that he thinks thinks that he you know, will be back fit fully to be able to play in the World Cup. But I think the selectors are probably hedging their bets a little here. They've also got Joe Richardson and Mitchell Stark, who are in the squad, who are returning from injury. Um, and and then you've also got Berendorf and Coulter Nile and Cummins are the other quicks. But I think they've basically looked at it and said, oh, look, if we've got half our bowling attack returning from injury, we always know there's going to be rust with those bowlers. Um, it's it's going to be you know a bit of a risk to have that many of the quicks coming back. Uh, he will be back fit, but he's also going to be part of the Australia A tour uh, of uh, of England while the World Cup's going on, which is basically preparation four day cricket for the Ashes. So I think the selectors have probably made the call that they want Stark as what the, the player of the last World Cup. It's pretty tough to leave out in the white ball game. Uh, I'd say they've basically not wanted to risk having too many players returning from injury and also want Hazelwood to be uh, firing in four-day cricket uh, for the Ashes. So tough on Josh Hazelwood in that uh, if there was other players not injured, he probably would have got in, but uh, that's how it's going to fall and um, he won't be able to be part of the squad to defend the World Cup. You guys sick of the Falau story yet or what? Well, it rolls on, doesn't it? Um, and uh, the word today, the latest, is we've heard from uh, we've heard from Michael Hooper, of course, the captain, and also Michael Checker as well, who basically have just said, uh, I think Checker's words were, look, it's he's sort of crossed the line. It's it's going to be pretty it's pretty hard to pick him now. And Hooper said that he would feel uh, wouldn't feel right taking to the field alongside Falau. So the rhetoric coming out is that uh, even if he somehow was able to you know, legally defend himself. Uh, and um, and ensure that he is you know still has his contract that uh, I don't think there's so much a place for him within the group of players. Um, as far as the process that follows, uh, he has yet to receive a uh, breach of code notice. Uh, once he does that, he has 48 hours to respond. Uh, and the concern, I guess, for Rugby Australia is is the litigation that could be taken down that Falau himself hasn't necessarily indicated he will want to take. But in a lot of ways, this is a litmus test for sport in Australia and, and probably the world in that uh, it's sort of a clash of, uh, of religion and, uh, and, and modern-day um, beliefs of, 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 the, of the mainstream society. So there's a lot to play out here. Um, but it is also creating a lot of discussion in Australia. I think it's fair to say the, 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 the overwhelming majority um, you know, responded to, positively to Rugby Australia's decision uh, when it came down to them saying that you know, essentially 
he cannot share uh, material that condemns or vilifies um, or discriminates against people based on their sexuality. Uh, but there's also you know, pockets in Australia as well where people are saying, well, hang on, what about freedom of speech, which I'm sure is coming up in New Zealand right now as well with some of the, you know, the matters in the last few months as well. Um, and this is a tricky time and new ground, I think. Um, I think the general public sort of has one stance, but there is also this question of if the guy's literally just sharing Bible verses and uh, he's not, not only sort of saying this about um, you know, homosexual people, he's also saying it about drunks and idolaters, which is pretty much all of Australian society, really. <laughs> uh, so you then look at it more broadly. Well, okay, he's sort of having a crack at most of society and is that offensive to them? And then you know, where do you go from there? So look, it's probably not something we can cover off in, uh, in a short radio cross staff, but I think... Uh, what's happening here is important that if Rugby Australia is going to take this stance and follows it through, that it's not just blanket noise, you can't say particular things. I think it's important that uh, they get a bit more into the nitty-gritty and uh, for our society to have that, that more broader conversation about uh, people being able to have their beliefs but also having ramifications for uh, expressing them if it's going to be offensive. Well, I believe this segment's come to a close. That's about the end of it. Peter Lusted, thanks very much for your time as always. I won't catch you next week. I'm going on holiday. You'll have to deal with someone else. Enjoy it. Thanks, Duff.